Well, hello again, friends. The leaked decision of the Supreme Court last week has led me to reflect back on my years briefing and arguing cases before the Supreme Court 50 years ago. The court I argued before understood that its role was to balance the scales of justice in favor of the powerless. The two political branches of government, that is Congress and the executive branch, could not be relied on to do this. Republican appointees to the Supreme Court understood this role as did Democratic appointees. Even Richard Nixon's appointees, Harry Blackman, Lewis Powell, and Warren Burger, exemplified this view. Blackman, after all, wrote the court's 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade, and Powell and Berger joined him, as did four Democratic appointees to the court, William O. Douglas, Thurgood Marshall, William Brennan, and Potter Stewart. Now, the cases I argued were insignificant. I was a rookie in the Justice Department who was given either sure winners or sure losers to argue because the department didn't want to take a risk on a rookie, which was a wise move. At my first argument, I mistakenly called Justice Stewart Justice Brennan, which caused the two of them to guffaw and me to be mortified. But I was in awe of that court. I especially recall William O. Douglas, who had recently suffered a stroke and was in obvious discomfort, looking sharply at me as I made my arguments. Here was the justice who wrote the 1965 decision in Griswold versus Connecticut, finding that a constitutional right to privacy forbids states from banning contraception, a case that may actually now be jeopardized. Douglas was also the man who argued that the Vietnam War was illegal and issued an order that temporarily blocked sending army reservists to Vietnam. He was the justice who wrote in the 1972 case, Sierra Club versus Morton, that any part of nature feeling the destructive pressure of modern technology should have standing to sue in court, including rivers, lakes, trees, and even the air. Because, he argued, if corporations, which are legal fictions, have standing, shouldn't the natural world? Sitting not far away from Douglas on the bench was Thurgood Marshall, who two decades before had succeeded in having the Supreme Court declare segregated public schools unconstitutional in the 1954 landmark Brown versus Board of Education. Marshall did more than any person then alive to break down the shameful legal edifice of Jim Crow. Douglas, Marshall, and Blackman were the intellectual leaders of that Supreme Court. Their opinions gave the court its moral heft. They drew not only from the Constitution as written, but also from the, the, the nation as it had evolved. They understood the moral leadership America needed to protect the rights of the voiceless and the powerless. Today's Supreme Court majority doesn't have a clue about the court's moral authority and, frankly, couldn't care less. They're political hacks, rigid ideologues, small minds intent on entrenching the power of the already powerful, comforting the already comfortable, inflicting pain on the already inflicted. Five were nominated by presidents who lost the popular vote. Three 
by a president who instigated a coup against the United States. These three were confirmed because a rogue Republican Party mounted a scorched earth campaign to put them on the court. The intellectual leader of today's majority, if intellectual is the appropriate adjective, is Samuel Alito, perhaps the most conceptually rigid and cognitively dishonest justice since Chief Justice Roger Taney, who authored Dred Scott versus Sanford in 1857, finding that Congress had no power to exclude slavery from the territories and that black people could not become citizens. The authority of the Supreme Court derives entirely from Americans' confidence and trust in it. As Alexander Hamilton wrote in the Federalist Papers, 78, the judiciary has neither the sword, that is, the executive branch's power to compel action, or the purse, the Congress's power to appropriate funds. The Supreme Court I was privileged to argue before, almost 50 years ago, had significant moral authority. It protected the less powerful with arguments that resonated with the core values of the nation. Americans didn't always agree with its conclusions, but they respected it. That respect and trust allowed the court to lead the way, charting a moral course for the, for the nation. Today's cruel and partisan Supreme Court and that Supreme Court majority is squandering what remains of the court's moral authority. That is perhaps the deepest tragedy of all.